Welcome to Disputes Digest for the week of February 20th, 2023. I'm Chris Campbell. Listeners, how is it that we are almost through the second month of the year? 2023 is zipping right on by, and before you know it, we'll be joining you live from Vienna for the Vis Moot, and temperatures will be warming right on up. But before we get there, we've got some news to cover, so let's jump into it. The International Chamber of Commerce, ICC, Court of Arbitration has opened its first office in Latin America, in Mexico City. The new office is expected to provide easier access to the ICC's dispute resolution services for companies in the region, as well as to help further promote the use of international arbitration as a means of resolving cross-border disputes. The ICC Court of Arbitration is one of the world's leading providers of dispute resolution services, offering arbitration, mediation, and other forms of alternative dispute resolution. The opening of the new office in Mexico reflects the growing demand for these services in Latin America, which has seen a significant increase in cross-border trade and investment in recent years. The new office will provide a range of services, including case management, arbitrator appointments, and training programs for lawyers and other professionals. It will also help promote the use of the ICC's dispute resolution services in the region. By raising awareness of the benefits of international arbitration and providing support to companies and other organizations that wish to use these services. The opening of this new office is a significant milestone for the ICC Court of Arbitration and the broader international arbitration community in the region. It represents a further expansion of the ICC's global footprint and a recognition of the growing importance of Latin America in the global economy. It also highlights the role that international arbitration can play in resolving cross-border disputes and promoting international trade and investment. And staying with that theme of new centers, let's take a look at Istanbul, as the Istanbul Arbitration Center, ISTAC, has announced that it will be opening a new international arbitration center in Istanbul in the coming months. The center is expected to help position Istanbul as a major hub for international dispute resolution. The center will be equipped with state-of-the-art technology and will offer a range of dispute resolution services, including arbitration, mediation, and expert determination. It will also provide training programs for arbitrators, lawyers, and other professionals, and will offer a platform for conducting virtual hearings and other remote dispute resolution services. This new center is a play to make Istanbul a major player in the international dispute resolution space, as it joins the growing number of international arbitration centers opening up around the world. With global trade and investment on the rise, the demand for effective and efficient dispute resolution services has never been greater, and the availability of a wide range of international arbitration centers gives parties a greater degree of choice when it comes to selecting an arbitrator and a venue for their dispute. From there, we head to Nigeria for news regarding an investor state dispute matter. In September 2019, the International Center for Settlement of Disputes ICSID ordered Nigeria to pay $1.5 billion to PNID, a British engineering firm, in a long-running arbitration. The case revolved around a failed gas processing project in Nigeria that led to a dispute over a supply and processing agreement. p 
he and ID had entered into a contract with the Nigerian government to build and operate a natural gas processing plant in the country. However, the project never materialized, and P&ID alleged that the Nigerian government breached its contractual obligations by failing to provide the necessary infrastructure to enable the plant to operate. In response, Nigeria argued that the contract itself was fraudulent and that P&ID had no intention of actually building the plant. The Nigerian government also argued that the terms of the contract were onerous and that it had been induced to enter into the agreement under false pretenses. The tribunal found in favor of P&ID ruling that Nigeria had breached its obligations under the supply and processing agreement and ordering the country to pay $1.5 billion in damages to the British firm. The ruling is one of the largest ever made against Nigeria and has significant implications for the country's finances, as well as for the reputation as a destination for foreign investment. Nigeria has since appealed the decision, arguing that the contract was based on fraud and that the tribunal did not have the jurisdiction to hear the case. However, the case has already had a far-reaching consequence as Nigeria has been forced to pay significant legal fees and has had to contend with the freezing of its assets in the UK in order to satisfy the judgment. The PNID case highlights the importance of careful contract drafting and the need to ensure that all parties to a contract understand their obligations and responsibilities. It also underscores the importance of international arbitration as a means of resolving cross-border disputes and the need for parties to choose arbitration-friendly jurisdictions when drafting their contracts. Now, this next story will make you green with energy as the world becomes more aware of the importance of sustainability. Corporate counsel are taking the wheel on greening arbitration and streamlining the dispute resolution process. The Campaign for Greener Arbitrations, CGA, has released a model clause for company outside counsel engagement, which can be used by legal departments to help reduce carbon emissions and other environmental impacts related to dispute resolution. Mike McElrath, who chairs the CGA Corporate Task Force, said that the group's focus is on taking and creating tools that in-house counsel can use to drive real change, and more is on the way. The model clause encourages outside counsel to minimize the environmental impact of dispute resolution in several ways, such as questioning the need to fly or using virtual meeting technology instead of physical attendance. It also provides guidelines for document use and hearing participation. The model clause can be incorporated into a company's guidelines, council engagement letters, or adapted as needed, while it tracks some of the key principles of the CGA. It also incorporates procedural efficiency by streamlining certain steps and considering whether they are necessary. The framework and green protocols in the model clause are intended to replace applicable rules or derogate from the arbitration agreement unless the parties or arbitration tribunal agree. However, the plans for the dissemination of the model clause or company outside counsel engagement are in development and more tools will follow soon. With the CGA's model clause, companies can take a step forward in sustainable and efficient dispute resolution. Now then, if we could only convince airlines to stop charging for extra legroom and those annoying package fees, 
What's up with me and puns today? I don't know. I'm in the mood. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit has affirmed a district court's preliminary injunction that prevents California from imposing criminal and civil penalties on employers that require individuals to sign an arbitration agreement that affects rights under their California Fair Employment and Housing Act or Labor Code. This bill was known as AB 51 and purported to apply to any arbitration agreement entered into, modified, or extended on or after January 1st, 2020. But the Ninth Circuit panel majority didn't have a lot of love for the AB 51, ruling that the Federal Arbitration Act, FAA, preempts this bill, which puts the brakes on the Golden State's legislation. The majority also rejected the argument from California that the clauses deemed preempted by the FAA should be severed from the rest of the law. It's almost like the panel was saying, uh, we can't just go chopping this up like it's cheap steak. We need to look at the law in its entirety. This case is a significant win for arbitration supporters and other states such as Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Vermont, and Washington, which have enacted laws that purport to restrict an employer's ability to enter pre-dispute arbitration agreements with its employees. It also reminds us that state rules that burden the formation of arbitration agreements can be considered an obstacle to the FAA, so everyone should be on high alert. So there you have it, folks. The Ninth Circuit has said nope to California's AB 51, leaving arbitration supporters celebrating and arbitration haters crying in their coffee. Then for our final story of the day, let's talk about the China International Economic and Trade Arbitration Commission. They just released their 2022 statistics and 2023 work plan. And let me tell you, things are looking great for them. In 2022, SeaTac had a record-breaking 4,086 new arbitration cases with a whopping renminbi 126.9 billion renminbi. That's around $18.64 billion in dispute, which is a record high. These numbers are getting bigger and bigger every year, with the amount in dispute surpassing 100 billion renminbi for the fifth year in a row. What's impressive is that there was an increase in international cases, with 83 cases in which neither party was from mainland China. Parties from 69 jurisdictions were involved in SeaTac administered cases last year, including 32 countries and regions from along the Belt and Road area. The governing law applied to the disputes submitted to SeaTac were also diverse, with the United Nations Convention on Contracts for the International Sale of Goods, CISG, wink wink, the laws of Hong Kong, Singapore, and England and Wales applied to different cases. But it's not just the caseload that's diversified, the types of disputes also cover a wide range, including construction, mechanical, and electrical equipment sale, purchase of goods, transfer of equity investment, service contracts, natural resources, and financial disputes. SeaTac has also explored international practices such as emergency arbitrators and third-party funding. They've issued two emergency arbitrator decisions and a SeaTac award that was recognized the validity of a third-party funding arrangement was expressly upheld by the PRSC court at the time. And they're not stopping there. SeaTac has plans to continue internationalizing its arbitration rules and improving its IT infrastructure and digital management in 2023. They're currently considering revising their rules and focusing on topics such as interim awards and some of the other things that we mentioned earlier. It's great to see SeaTac is growing and innovating, and we can't wait to see what else the future has in store for them. 
And that's it for us this week. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn. We'll be back with season five in just a few weeks. While it's hard to believe that just over a month. And we'll be back with another episode of Disputes Digest. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. Bye. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.